0: Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago
1: Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, Jim and I talk to Portland indie rock band Blitz and Trapper and sample some songs from their new album, Fur. And
0: later on, Greg and I will review the new albums from British giant PJ Harvey and the Malian duo Amadou and Mariam.
1: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time to welcome our newest affiliates. That's right, Jim. And when we welcome a new station to the Sound Opinions Fold, we like to play a piece of music from that region. Uh, But this week, we're welcoming three new stations.
0: Yes, Greg, we have two stations that have just added us in Alaska, KCHU in Valdez and KSTK in Wrangell. But uh, in the spirit of brotherly solidarity, we want to uh, focus on Grand Forks, North Dakota's KFJM. Folks in those parts are really having a hard time right now with the Red River Flooding. We thought we'd play a piece of music by a native son from their area commemorating the last great flood in 1997. You discovered Tom Brousseau. You're a big fan of his.
1: Yes, I saw Tom Brousseau actually open a show for Sam Phillips at Largo in California many years ago, and I was blown away by this kid. Great singer-songwriter who happens to be from North Dakota and writes a lot of songs about growing up there and what it was like to live there, as well as his experience with the flooding in 1997 when the Red River spilled over.
0: Absolutely. His 2007 album, Grand Forks, was a concept album about the 97 floods. This is a song that we're going to dedicate to uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, and everybody along the Red River. It's called uh, Here Comes the Water Now by Tom Brusso.
2: There's nothing more that can be done The battle has been fought, the race has been run So gals do a curtsy, guys do a bow Here comes the water The river water Take on another form The river wants to break away from the north Basement for a mold, Street for us out Here comes the water
0: That's Tom Brousseau with Here Comes the Water Now. Welcome, KFJM, Grand Forks, North Dakota.
1: That is Lady Gaga with the song called Poker Face, number one at the iTunes Store at the moment. Since 2003, when the iTunes Store opened, now the number one music retailer in North America. Individual songs have been priced at 99 cents. This has caused some consternation among the major labels who have been advocating for a more varied price structure ever since they realized, hey, maybe we can make some money at this digital downloading stuff. In fact, digital download sales topped $1 billion for the first time in 2008, so there is a sense that this is going to be the new revenue stream that saves the music industry if anything does iTunes and Apple, Steve Jobs, have been resisting the idea of variable pricing since the start of the store, saying that $0.99 is kind of the magic ceiling. You know, why would consumers want to pay any more than that For an individual song, it's a way to bring in new customers by keeping it relatively modestly priced. Seems fair. It evens out in the end. You know, Lady
0: by Sticks is a dollar, Lady Gaga is a dollar, right?
1: Everything's a buck, basically. But the pressure has been immense lately as other digital stores have started to open. Uh iTunes and Apple have been negotiating with the major labels about new pricing structure and now finally a variable price structure is gonna go into place on April seventh. So the top songs on iTunes are gonna be priced at $1.29, presumably songs like Lady Gaga's Poker Face. A thirty percent price increase, Jim. A dollar twenty-nine for the hit songs, ninety-nine cents for some other songs, and sixty-nine cents for some back catalog. The majors are saying it's all going to wash out in the end. Consumers are still going to have a chance to buy some lower-priced music. But I think the key here, Jim, is a 30% Increase In the middle of a recession, asking consumers yeah. to pay 30% more for a song, break that magic $1 barrier for an individual song. A- at a time when they can yeah. easily download that song illegally any number of other places. Exactly. It- it's an absurd strategy, it would seem. But the majors are desperate. They sense a little m- bit of money involved, and uh, they're going to go for broke. They are going to see if they can make a little bit more money at the iTunes store. Flip side of this story is what's going on in China. China at the moment, a huge, huge music market. Unfortunately for the major labels and for artists, most of it is illegal. 99% of the music files that are downloaded in China are pirated, So Google has worked out a deal with the major labels to create a site in which it will offer legitimate downloads of starting with 350,000 songs, soon to be 1.1 million songs. Consumers, again, would not have to pay for these songs, but the site would be supported by advertising and Google would share the revenue from that advertising with the major labels. So there would be an income stream from these Song downloads, the idea being to attract a legitimate download market in China for the first time in that country's history, basically.
0: Greg, that is Kelly Clarkson, who appears on the April cover of Blender magazine, which actually will be the last cover of Blender magazine. The the magazine has uh, ceased publication. You know, it is sad, Greg, when any music publication folds. But to tell the truth, although it has not been gone long, I am not going to miss Blender. And I'll tell you why. I think it was really a lowest common denominator kind of publication in the way it pandered to uh, sexism. There was a different half-naked starlet on the cover of every issue, which is no surprise since it was started by Dennis Publications out of the UK who did uh, Maxim as well. You know, it it was about... You know, having somebody with no clothes on on the cover every (laughs) issue, and that bothered me. I don't know if it got to
1: you. You know, it bothers me, but what bothered me more about the magazine, Jim, was the content inside the magazine. I I saw some of the bylines in, in Blender over the years, and I was impressed by the number of writers they pulled in. And yet... 125-word reviews. Uh, Impossible for these talented writers to say anything in any sort of substantive way. And that, to me, is the real failing of music magazines in general in America, is the inability to allow really talented writers who are out there to stretch out and really engage the music in a way that the classic Rolling Stones and the classic Creams were able to do back in the day. Perhaps I am yearning for a long-lost past that will never come back, but I'd really love to see that sort of journalism in print form and unfortunately blender was not it and maybe that's the reason for its demise
0: when you're talking about music publications between half a million to a million and more we are really down to a very short list in america at this point now the blender is gone there's rolling stone there's spin vibe is on the edge and that's where the list ends which is really sad somebody ought to give you and me a million dollars we'll start one (laughs)
1: sleepy time in the western world from the band called and Trapper out of the Pacific Northwest, Portland to be specific. A singing and songwriting project built around the talents of Eric Early, three self-released albums and then a debut on sub-pop records last year called Fur that brought them a lot of notice as well as their tour with label mates and fellow Pacific Northwest rockers, the Fleet Foxes. Both bands with a similar kind of sound in that they hearken back to traditional sources, classic rock of the 60s and 70s, and bringing it up to date for a new audience.
0: Yes, Greg, in fact, uh, you and your Rock Doctor guys just recommended this band to uh, one of our patients a few weeks ago. They were on tour. We had them stop by the Jim and K Maybe studio here and give us an acoustic performance and a chat.
3: Drifting down the sleepy river, waking
1: like a child. We are here in the studio with Blitz and Trapper, or at least two-thirds or four-sixths of the band, Eric Early, Eric Manteer, Brian Adrian Koch, and Marty Marquis. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Thanks. Thank you. Your fourth album, Fur, is out on Sub Pop. You had released three independent records prior to that, based out of uh, Portland, Oregon. And pr- sort of a self-contained operation, right, guys? I mean, it was... Uh, Kind of a group of friends gathering in a kind of a makeshift studio, making music together. Uh, what was the vision of the band early on, Eric? Early, you were the kind of the, I guess, driving force in the in the early days of this band, right?
4: Uh yes, I was. Well, I was I was writing the songs.
1: So, what was the uh, what was the idea early on?
4: Uh early on, there there wasn't much of an idea. <laughs> there was just writing songs and hanging around and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> and these guys were friends of yours.
4: Yeah, we all grew up in Salem. Marty grew up in Yakima. So, yeah, I mean, we, we all come from the same place, pretty much. Had you,
0: had you played in bands before Blitz and Trapper? Well, yeah, me guys? and
4: Mikey were in a band in Salem in high school, and then me and Marty played some music when we were living down um, on Lookout Mountain.
0: We might as well get it out of the way right up top. Now, I've read numerous interviews you've done, and you've never given the same answer twice. I guess it's those just, reports are unsubstantiated. <laughs> we don't really it, want to it, talk it's about true. it. So, it's um. an absurd question, but everybody is going to want to know where does the name Blitzen Trapper come from. Now, you can make up your favorite because I've read <laughs> numerous good accounts of where it came
3: well, from.
4: Well, oh, man. There's so many good lies, I can tell.
0: <laughs> Personally, I keep thinking, whenever I hear it, I, I think of some act of perversity involving a reindeer.
4: Well, that says a lot about... Me. About, about you. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And that's good. No, I think the name is... Yeah, I mean, it's ambiguous. It's kind of strange. Blitzen is a reindeer. It's also a German word for lightning, and it, it has a lot to do with, like, football, too, you know? I love football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the trapper part... uh, My grandfather collected a lot of fur from junkyards and would hang them on his walls. And then, uh, you know, there's the trappers that came into the mountains. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a lot of good associations.
0: It is wonderfully resonant of... of you know, an image a lot of us have of the Northwest of, you know, wilds and woods and and mountains, you know, as opposed to strip malls, which unfortunately is what most of America is
1: today. That's the kind of wilderness we live in for the most part. (laughs) 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 It's a mental wilderness. though, right. Yeah. People have talked about and you've you've grasped onto this term, Eric, uh, the, the whole idea of American music. And obviously, American music means different things to different people. What does it mean to you?
4: I don't know I think now it means just sort of the music that comes out of the environment that we've created and also I think it comes out of the schism between the environment we've created and the environment that was there initially because America unlike Europe it's not old architecturally um, or structurally but it's old but it's, it's it's old as far as the earth that's underneath it and I think that in Oregon there's a certain amount of because it's sparsely populated and because it's sort of the edge of the west we still have this idea of the oldness of that country itself and the people that were there first, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't know. I think American music has to do with all that, the tradition of expansion and and also the mixing Mm -hmm. of all the different musics, races, cultures, you know?
0: Well, and you guys do love to dig deep for, for, you know bits and pieces of of different sounds there's that kind of grill marcus rock critic idea i don't know if you've ever heard this he what what he was when he wrote about the band he was writing about dylan and the band when they were recording big pink tapping into the old weird america it's a phrase he kept using again and again
1: well that's a a neil lomax phrase right when he was going around dredging up uh, obscure folk artists in the south and yeah 40s and 50s um, yeah, we're in the new weird America. Portland, you know?
4: Portland's very full of new weird music. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs>
1: definitely. Well, uh, let's have a song before we continue with the interview. What do you What do you guys want to play for us? Um, we're going to
4: do Black River Killer,
3: right? Yeah. All right. It was just a little while past the sunset strip. I found the girl's body in an open pit. Her mouth was sewn shut but her eyes were still wide, Gazing through the fog to the other side They booked me on a whim and threw me deep in jail with no bail, sitting silent on a rusty pail Just gazing at the marks in the opposite wall Remembering the music of my lover's call, yeah So you make no mistake, I know just what it takes To pull a man so back from heaven's gates I've been wandering in the dark about as long as seen But they say it's never too late to start again Oh when, oh when Will the Spirit come a-calling for my soul to say? Oh when, oh when Will the keys to the kingdom be mine again But it was dark as the grave, it was just about three When the warden with his key came to set me free They gave me five dollars in a second hand suit A pistol and a hat and a worn out flute So I took the bus down to the Rio Grande And I shot a man down on the edge of town And I stole me a horse and I rode it around Till the sheriff pulled me in and he set me down he said, you make no mistake, I know just what it takes To pull a man so back from heaven's gates I've been wandering in the dark about his long sin But they say it's never too late to start again Oh when, oh when Will the Spirit come a-calling for my soul to send? Oh when, oh when Will the keys to the kingdom be mine again? Chef, let me go with a knife and a song. So I took the first train out to Oregon. And I killed the first man that I came upon. Cause the devil works quick, you know it don't take long. And then I went to the river for to take a swim. You know that black river water, it's as black as sin. And I washed myself clean as a newborn babe. Then I picked up a rock for to sharpen my blade. Oh, when? Oh, when? Will the Spirit come a-calling for my soul to send, oh when, oh when, With the keys to the kingdom be mine again, oh when, oh when, will that black river water wash me clean again, oh when, oh when, will the keys to the kingdom be mine again.
1: That's Black River Killer from Blitz and Trapper, live on Sound Opinions. Coming up next on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, Jim and I are going to continue our interview with the members of Blitz and Trapper, and later we're going to review new albums from P.J. Harvey and Amadou and Mariam.
3: Sunset strip. They found the girl's body in an open pit. Her mouth was sewn shut, but her eyes were still wide. Gazing through the fog to the other side. They booked me on a whim and threw me deep in jail with no bail, sitting silent on a rusty pail. Just gazing at the marks on the opposite wall. Remembering the music of my lover's call
0: welcome back to sound opinions from Chicago Public radio and American public media you are hearing the album version of Black River killer a song our guest splits and trapper played beautifully just a couple of minutes ago on the show I asked lead singer Eric early about that song's
3: inspiration from the soul to send? oh, when? oh when? With the keys did the king
0: Eric, writing that song, how did how did it come to you? What was the inspiration to sit down and, and write that?
4: I don't know. I, I mean, it's partially based on my Uncle Tommy, who was a, a, a ne'er-do-well. Mm. And it's kind of sort of along the Cormac McCarthy lines as far as the narrative goes, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's also in the tradition of sort of the old kind of um, murder ballad, you know? Uh, sure. It's kind of drawing from all that.
1: A lot of, just about every other song on like the Harry Smith anthology of American folk music, uh, somebody's getting killed, Yeah, somebody's having a throat slit. <laughs> it, sure. seemed to be, it seems to be a huge area for, for songwriting. And uh, in, in this particular song, you said you were drawing on personal experience as well as this, this kind of rich tradition. Uh, but obviously there's a certain power of imagination that takes over as well. Yeah, of course. When, when you're writing songs like this, do you feel like you're working within that tradition, Eric? I mean, is that a, sort of a conscious thing? Like, obviously, a lot of this music was made well before you were born. and But I also know that you have a family that, that is is somewhat musical as well, right? Do you sort of feel like you're operating within that tradition?
4: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think any musician needs to be aware of the, the history of what he's doing. I mean, I mean, even guys that are writing traditional songs had a history they were drawing from. I'm no different than they, you know. I'm no different than you know, Dylan or Hoyt Axton or Tom Paxton or any of the guys that were writing folk songs, m- mirroring the songs that they listened to. I mean, it's just sort of this, like, uh, continuum, you know?
1: Well, there's, a, you know, there's also a sense of mystery. Eric, you and I were talking about this last time I, I spoke to you. You were, you were mentioning the fact that a guy like Dylan, when he was making Highway 61 Revisited, a lot of that music was kind of new and mysterious, especially the rock generation. He was kind of working with a, a broader palette in terms of just a lot of this music hadn't really been explored before in, in the rock idiom. And now it's, you know, 40 years later, maybe a little bit more difficult to, to really make an original statement in that, in that sort of same voice.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think rock music is is traveling along the same cycles that any artistic medium travels, you know. I mean, it reaches these different... I mean, classical music has it all mapped out with the classical, the Baroque, the Romantic era. I mean, it all... It's all just a big cycle, and rock is at the end of a certain cycle or or at this point where, yeah, it's... I mean no matter what you do now it's going to reference it's going to be referencing you know 70 years of music mm-hmm. you know I mean that you can't help that and there's only so many permutations of of rock music that you can <laughs> that you can do I mean I think I think the important thing is to write good songs and if the songs are honest and mirror your personality and and the uniqueness of the individual writing it then then people will enjoy it you know whether or not it's it's dealing with a tradition or or it's moving in some way that has been done before or something. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're writing primarily on acoustic guitar or piano? Yeah. And then you bring it into the band. How do the songs evolve? You have your own recording studio, the group, right?
4: Well, yeah, for the last two records we did, yeah.
0: So how do the songs evolve? Do you guys rehearse there and just kind of toss them around in different permutations?
4: I generally write and record simultaneously, hmm. um, at least the last two records I did. So I, just, I lived in a studio... And I, I, uh, I would just write and record them There was no real demos going on mm-hmm. And then when we go to tour and play live We all, we all arrange it together
0: Because there is this wonderful feeling When you listen to the records Of, of a group sitting in a circle <laughs> Playing
4: together it's all an illusion. It? Yeah. It's quite the illusion. Actually. actually, you're all
0: phoning in your parts from, you know, when you're on vacation in Europe, you send in the file digitally and
1: never in the same room at the same time, right? Well, that that is interesting. How does it work, really? I mean, because it does have this uh, tremendous sense of atmosphere that you might associate with something like that. How are you able to get that now without actually doing it?
4: With the last two records, I just, yeah, I was in the studio doing whatever I wanted for months, mm-hmm. you know? just kind of fiddling with things and changing arrangements and just kind of getting it exactly how I wanted it, you know.
1: Do you get a feedback from the other guys? Ever, oh, yeah, or, yeah, definitely. And can they tell you if something stinks?
4: Yeah, a lot of times they'll be like, oh, no, that shouldn't go on the record. Because usually I'll have, like, all these songs recorded, and i will be like, oh, no, we'll, we wouldn't want that on the record, or we'll put this on the record, or we like that one, or hmm. let's learn this one,
1: you know. So there's stuff that's left over, stuff that, uh, that doesn't make the cut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about another song? All right.
3: Yeah, when I was only 17 I could hear the angels whispering So I drove into the woods And wandered aimlessly about Until I heard my mother Shouting through the fog. It turned out to be The howling of a dog Or a wolf to be exact Sent shivers down my back, but I was drawn into the pack. And before long, they allowed me to join in and sing their song. So from the cliffs and higher still, yeah, we would gladly get our fill, howling endlessly and shrilly at the dawn. And I lost a taste for judging right from wrong. For my flesh had turned to fur, yet my thoughts they surely were turned to instinct and obedience to God. You can weigh your fur like a river on fire, but you better be sure. If you're making God to lie I'm a rattlesnake, babe I'm like fuel on a fire So if you're gonna get me Don't be afraid of what you've learned On the day that I turned 23 I was curled up underneath a dogwood When suddenly a girl, her skin the color of a pearl She wandered aimlessly but she didn't seem to see She was listening for the angels just like me So I stood and looked about, I brushed the leaves off of my snout And then I heard my mother shouting through the trees You should have seen that girl go shaky at the knees So I took her by the arm We settled down upon a farm And raised our children up As gently as you please Now my fur has turned to skin And I've been quickly ushered in To a world that I confess I do not know But I still dream of running Careless through the snow Through the howling winds that blow Across the ancient distant flow That fills our bodies up Like water till we know You can weigh your fur like a river on fire, but you better be sure if you're making God a liar. I'm a rattlesnake, babe. I'm like fuel on a fire, so if you're gonna get me, don't be afraid of what you learn.
1: That's a beautiful song. The title track from the uh, latest Blitz and Trapper record, Fur, uh, performed by four-sixths of the band here in our studio. Uh, beautiful song, Eric. And uh, I think 50 years from now, when the planet is burning down, people are going to be referencing that song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the boy who ran <laughs> thank off thank with wolves and then tried to tried to readjust to <laughs> civilization. and uh, it's, a, it's a fable-like song, but I, I really think it, it kind of speaks to a lot of, a lot of broader issues that are in the air right now. Obviously, Oregon is a different place than some of the bigger, more developed ur- urban areas that uh, we live in. I mean, were you thinking about these kind of things when you when you wrote this song? I mean, how did you start, with the bigger issue or kind of with this this smaller tale that sort of spoke to these bigger things?
4: I don't know. I mean, that song I, I wrote in like 15 minutes. I didn't really take a lot of time thinking about that one. I think it was just sort of something that was brewing and, and I just sort of made it up, you know? it's made up of all kinds of stuff that i was thinking at the time and and uh i think it's i think it was just more personal than anything you know and uh i mean cuz to me it's sort of a song growing up and sort of like realizing the the difference between the life that you want and the life that is right or the life that that is that you have to live because you're a human because you're civilized because you're western you know what i mean
0: is it Difficult when the record gets out there And people start trying to figure out what you were saying Yeah,
4: I don't know, I mean, I think it's nice I I like dialoguing about lyrics a lot, you know I mean, I think that that's I think that that's important now In a time when When people don't really think about What they're saying as much, you know, in songs
1: Mm. Well, I think it also speaks to a time And I think it's still true today But that a song can be meaningful beyond You know, how many units it sells Or, you know, how many people hear it Or even what the songwriter intended Sure, I mean, yeah. just because he wrote it doesn't mean he knows what it's about. <laughs>
4: yeah, I think that's definitely true.
1: <laughs> but it, it definitely has a resonance to it. And when you talk when you talked earlier about songwriting, Eric, that it, it really comes down to the song, I would imagine it's an ambition of any any songwriter to like think, are these songs going to last? Is somebody going to want to play this 20 years from now?
4: I don't know, I, know if that's such an ambition anymore for mm-hmm. people, maybe.
1: What do you think has gotten in the way of that?
4: I don't know. I mean, I think there is that idea, like you talked about earlier, where you can't, there's nothing new you can't do anything that will displace or that can join the things that have come before i think so i think now it's more about the moment and about about writing songs that will make you money and and create this environment for yourself to exist in for the moment you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you were talking about
0: personal inspiration the, the album before uh for wild mountain nation um you said a part of it was written about a year you spent essentially being homeless, right? You were a squatter,
4: uh, for about two years. Yeah. Wow.
0: What was that period like? What? Where were you living? What were you well, doing? Well,
4: I, I mean, we had this uh, studio space in this old building that <clears throat> was just a room that I had my studio in, and I slept on the cat on a couch I had in there, and it was right downtown. Yeah, I mean, it was nice. It was one of those situations where I kind of just got rid of all my stuff and had like a bag and lived there and just wrote and recorded music for a couple of years, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a
0: place you were paying rent on.
4: Oh uh, yeah, we were, I mean, as a band. Okay. It was definitely not legal like a living space and yeah. there was no kitchen or showers or I don't know. Yeah. It was <laughs> kind of rough actually. <laughs> I appreciated Wall it says. when I moved into an apartment later. I was like, "Oh yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> nice to have a shower, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of a, a classic beat ideal. I mean, I, whenever <laughs> I think of Portland and, and Oregon and that that whole area, you know, I think of like Neil Cassidy, and uh, it's almost a cliche. Kinda, but it's a good story I anyway. You know? <laughs> uh,
4: yeah, I was just doing it because I didn't have any money.
0: I tell the truth, you had a condo, luxury condo with a yeah. hot tub, but
4: it's much cooler
1: to say I was crashing. Into, yeah, would that yeah. be nice? <laughs> yeah. He had a well. He had a wealthy docent in downtown Portland that was taking care of. Yeah, yeah. So. Where do we go from here? You guys are, uh, Sub Pop has signed the band. It's obviously one of the most acclaimed records of 2008 with Fur. You have this reputation as as kind of a self-contained unit. Is there an ambition of yours to perhaps expand this and, you know, get broader exposure for the music, whether it's, you know, signing to another record label or, you know, expanding to the point, you know, where where we're going to be playing theaters and perhaps arenas? I mean, how, how big do you want this to get? And does that in any way interfere with what you're trying to create? artistically
4: no i mean i don't know i don't i don't really think about it i think that it's just sort of like we put out records and play and if we play bigger places for more people that's that's just what happens you know
1: yeah all right guys uh we got another song from you what what are we going to hear next
4: uh we're going to play lady on the water
3: My lady on the water, make me rich and make me poor. Lay your flowers at my door, lady on the water. Bring me branches, bring me twine. Graft my heart upon the vine with your wine. Dye my feathers as the cock crows, them time. For to wake my lady on the water, share my bread and share my drink, pay no mind what others think. Lady on the water, whip this wind into a flame with your grapes and bottled rain. Make your wine of my worship a divinely strange refrain. For to make it rain. Your thumb upon my tongue, we a song on one lesson. Lady on the water with your jackets, blue and strange. Change these rivers in my veins into white, learning, burning, driven deep into this maze. All of my Water, lead me from the wilderness Through countless desert streams and jest Lady on the water, lay your head upon my chest Leave me only when I'm blessed Cause I'll be in my own country Good and did it, gone to rest That's the way, that's the tale.
0: Gorgeous stuff, "Lady on the Water" by Blitz and Trapper. Here on Sound Opinions, uh, guys. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Thanks for coming by the show. Yeah,
3: thank, thank you. you. Like
1: tripping, you to hear Blitz and Trapper's entire live performance, visit soundopinions.org. And to make a comment, call our hotline 888 859 1800 or send us an email at interact at soundopinions.org. Jim and I are going to return after a short break with reviews of new albums from PJ Harvey and Amadou and Mariam. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.
0: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. That is a song called 161514 by PJ Harvey and John Parrish from the new album A Woman, a Man Walked By. Greg, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that Polly Jean Harvey is one of the most important forces in rock who came out of the 90s, you know, with her band first, P.J. Harvey, and then as a solo artist, P.J. Harvey. She has been uh, just consistently rewarding and fascinating in her prolific output. We were both big fans of the 2007 album, White Chalk, which was produced by John Parrish. He's been working with her on and off for two decades now. Multi-instrumentalist, very talented guy, They've made two albums, though, that have been specifically credited to P.J. Harvey and John Parrish. The first was in 1996, Dance Hall at Louse Point. Now there's this new one, A Woman, A Man Walked By. What's the difference between a P.J. Harvey album that John Parrish <laughs> is working on and a P.J. Harvey and John Parrish album? In these cases, Parish has written all the music, sent it to Harvey, and she is free to just concentrate on the lyrics and the singing. She told Billboard, It's quite freeing because I only have to think about words and singing. That's a joy. It's much easier than writing my own solo work, and John gives me music that I could never come up with. It's much more inspiring. So this is P.J. Harvey having fun keep that in mind as you listen to the next track because fun is all relative with Polly Jean Harvey this is a song called Black Hearted Love that opens the album, here it is on Sound Opinions
1: That's a song called Black-Hearted Love from the new P.J. Harvey and John Parrish album A Woman, A Man Walked By. Jim, as you said, Harvey freed up by the fact that Parrish is writing all the music and playing most of the instruments on this album. He really varies the setting on just about every song. It's a it's an individual movie in its own way, mm. uh, the way he's using uh, saloon pianos or banjo, ukulele, that Dennis drill guitar we heard on that song. Yeah, and uh, a really
0: interesting touch with percussion, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, Parrish is a, is a master musician in a lot of ways. He, in fact, was the one who discovered Harvey way back when she was a teenager in the 80s, and so. Sort of became her mentor in a way, and has been a sounding board for her for 20 years. So Harvey feels very comfortable doing just about anything in his presence. And she tries on all these different personas on this record. You hear her trying these different voices on, you know, that adolescent in uh, leaving California, or, you know, like a broken-down little granny wheezing through that song called April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's doing uh, the soldier in the desert routine in that one song, The Soldier. Uh, What about when she
0: turns into Captain Beefheart, complete with the barking dog? On Pig Will Not.
2: Hunter, you see, Angel, he crashes down from the heights, shakes the disbeliever, shakes the disbeliever's head, shakes him harder, instructing your whale.
1: The one thing that I think is lacking is consistent songwriting. I think some of the songs are fantastic, as good as anything she's ever done with Parish. And at the same time, there are just a few songs here that I think are more just experiments in sound. Let's see where this will take us. But they're not really songs per se that reward repeated listening. For that reason, Jim, on the buy it, burn it, trash it scale, as big of a fan as I am of Harvey and of Parrish, I'd say this is a burn it record for me. Shocked, I am. I tell you, I am
0: shocked. You are off your gourd, Mr. Cott. This is a buy-it record, absolutely. In fact, I think along with Harvey's last record, White Chalk, 2007, very gothic that one was, evidence of a midlife career surge, the likes of which uh, we've seen lately from Nick Cave, another collaborator of Harvey at times, I think she's on the top of her game. Definitely buy it.
1: is a song called Welcome to Mali, the title track from the new album by Amadou and Mariam, a Malian couple who met in the 70s at the Institute for Young Blind People. They have become one of the leading forces in West African music in the last uh, decade. Sort of late bloomers. They they put out a lot of music in their home country and then broke through to a much wider audience in 2005 when they began working with the Franco-Hispanic pop star Manu Chao on a record called Demanche à Bamako. That was a huge breakthrough. They started performing festivals around the world and people realized what not only what a great singer Mariam was, but what an extraordinary guitar player her husband Amadou is. He basically has synthesized a lot of West African guitar styles, sort of blues-based, desert-based kind of music that fits in very well with American blues and psychedelia. And it created a vocabulary that I think is unlike any guitar player in the world. Now they're back with their fifth proper album out worldwide on the None Such label. It's called Welcome to Mali. Let's play a track from it before we review it. This is a collaboration with Blur's Damon Albarn as the producer. It's a track called Sabali from Amadou and Mariam on Sound Opinions.
0: That is a song called Sabali by Amadou and Mariam from their new album, Welcome to Mali. Love the way it starts, Greg takes a page out of wish you were here from pink floyd with a transistor radio sound yielding <laughs> to a much broader sound right. not an accident because Amadou has uh, given interviews saying that David Gilmour and Pink Floyd mm-hmm. are a major influence on his music as you said that is the track uh, one of the tracks produced by Damon Albarn of Blur and Gorillaz doesn't matter this is not a Paul Simon trip he doesn't put his thumbprint heavily upon the band he lets them be them and i have to tell you this album during a rather dark and dismal and dire week this album was a constant source of sunshine this is joyous celebratory music absolutely positively uplifting in its mix of africa and the west i love these guys to pieces
1: yeah this is a great record i thought the 2005 record was one of the best of that year and this is going to the top of my list right now i don't think i've heard a better album beginning to end than Welcome to Mali in 2009. And you nailed it, Jim, it's the joy. There is an unfettered joy in the way he plays guitar, and in the way she sings. They are not holding anything back. He, again, I have to say this, is, is just a master guitarist. I mean, the way he reinterprets surf music on the title song or that heroic guitar solo that he brings into a few of these tracks, he is like his countryman, Tumani Diabate, the Chora player, who's playing this traditional 17-string instrument and bringing in all these sounds from around the world. He's a complete modernist. And Amadou is the same way, the way he plays guitar, bringing in these traditional sounds and then filtering them into a very modern sensibility. So, you know, I would love to see him do an entire album with Damon Albarn. I think he understands them very well, and and that collaboration is fantastic. That is one of the great tracks of the year but the rest of the album ain't bad either I can't think of a duff track on here it's a buy it all the
0: way an enthusiastic double buy it for Amadou and Mariam what do we have on the show next
1: week Greg next week Jim we are going to talk about rock as literature and literature as rock great lyrics in rock music
0: Greg, we have some thank yous to say. As always, Sound Opinions was produced by our ace team of Todd Bachman, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn. With thanks to Mary Gaffney, who recorded Blitz and Trapper for us. And, of course, our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori southside Malatia, who always helps us with our African language pronunciations. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. Now it's time to hear what you have to say.
2: New messages.
5: Hi, Greg and Jim. My name's Bill. I'm calling from Chicago. I listen to your show on WBEZ. And I was just catching up uh, with the show a couple of weeks ago, Jim, where you were talking about moving from having a physical CD collection to uh, getting more and more of your music from the cloud. And I've been doing sort of the same thing, essentially, digitizing all my CDs, turning them into MP3s. Uh, But being a computer programmer, I more or less created my own cloud uh, and built a music server and wrote software for it that would let me access my music from anywhere. You talk a lot about the chilling effect that the recording industry and its litigiousness has on the development of uh, new forms of music. But I think equally important is the fact that the recording industry's litigiousness is also having a chilling effect on software developers like me, uh, because I'd love nothing better than to take this software and and try to sell it or even give it away for free, but I'm, I'm sort of held back by the fear that the recording industry is going to come down on me with their, their Iron Jack boots. Uh, thanks for letting me vent. I love the show, and uh, look forward to seeing what more you have to say on this issue. Thanks. I
3: got a
2: black magic woman on got a black magic
3: woman Yes, i got a black magic woman Got me so blind I can't see That she's a black magic woman And she's trying to make a devil
2: out of me Hi, this is Glenn from Oak Park, Illinois. I'm just uh, catching up on some of the shows on podcast and I just want to say that I agree with Greg and his uh, February 20th show the best version of Fleetwood Mac was a Peter Green Fleetwood Mac in fact I have a best of Fleetwood Mac that was issued in I think 1973 which has all the Black Magic Woman Wild and Green Malishi just an excellent, excellent album
5: thank you
1: Guys, Steve from Chicago here. I was calling about the South by Southwest show you just did. I just finished listening to it. Great show. And I wish I could have been there. Um, just wanted to point out one thing to you guys. Um, it's great that you love Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. It's great for me hearing the, the song you played on the air. I was surprised that none, neither of you called them out for uh, being pretty much a derivative of the Pet Shop Boys. Um, not that I don't like that. I think it sounds great. It's nice to hear the music of my youth coming back around again. Um, but uh, I was just surprised that you guys didn't pick up on that. Anyway, great show. Thanks again. Take care, and I'll keep listening. Talk to you soon.
5: Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Carter calling from Chicago. Your interview with Mac and Laura of Super Chunk and Merge Records it made me wonder if I'm going to speak as wistfully about the early 90s in Chapel Hill as some people do about the late 60s. <laughs> um, you know, it's been a real source of pride for me as I've gotten older and moved out of the state to see exactly how that kind of that vein of musical intensity turned into something that lasts with, with the Merge label. It was great to hear you guys interview Mac and Laura. Um, I followed Mac around the frozen food section, of a grocery store in Carborough once in, like, 1993, and uh, <laughs> it was nice to remember that, among other things. I love the show, guys. Thanks a lot.
2: No more messages.